The comments heard on The View from a Pew are those of Mac McCoy and are not necessarily the opinions of his guests, his producer Garth, any one particular denomination or religion, the church lady, Mr. Lemke, Pastor Craig, or anyone else of sound mind and body. Now here is today's The View from a Pew, heard all around the world on YouTube. Just search for The View from a Pew. Thank you, my dear Emily. Appreciate you doing the disclaimer for us. Uh, it's kind of a fun thing, but we also need to do uh, a lot of that because the FCC rules because we are on local radio stations. And so, uh, uh, but it's fun to hear. I will tell you that I'm going to have a second show that I'm starting, and it will be under the, um, the, 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 the guide of the view from a pew so it's going to be like uh, uh the view from a pew with a special emphasis on um and i'm, I'm so loving that we're going to do this um it's a show about what would jesus do if he was here right now and we're going to take a look at current events it's not going to be a political show because the cornerstone of this show is jesus but i've chosen as my theme song uh, a new Christian artist by the name of, I think it's Teren Wells, and he's got a, a, a song called Take It All Back. And it is a song telling the devil that everything he took from us, we're going to get it back. And uh, that's kind of the theme of the show, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and we'll have that again on the Roku channel and every place else, and it'll start somewhere here in January of 2024. All right, my guest today is Richard Leiter. He's a professor of law at the University of Nebraska. He grew up as a Jewish man, often thought about being a rabbi. And then when he was 28 years old, uh, as I would call it, Jesus mugged him. He, he set out to disprove the Gospels, read them, and realized, oh my gosh, this is the true deal. And uh, that had to make some of your Jewish friends maybe ostracize you or didn't talk to you anymore or oh yeah you lost yeah, it was um it was an alarming revelation to me i it was not in the least what i expected the only christian friends that i had ever had in my life i uh was not very close to uh they all knew that uh i didn't believe and i would enjoy debating them I call it poking the bear. Yeah, my best friend in college, in fact, was <clears throat> a pretty solid Christian, but kind of nominal, and we used to debate Christianity all the time, and I would talk about Judaism, what I knew, and um, so I developed this uh, rapport. So with with my Christian friends... Um, that we didn't talk about it. They avoided it. <laughs> and so... Um, when, I, have, I have friends like that. So when, I, when this happened to me, when I realized that what I was reading was true, um, I didn't really have anybody that I could turn to to ask for advice. So I was, it was really a spooky feeling. But I also mentioned in an earlier show that I had developed these four questions that I could end debates with. Yeah. 
So and debates with. Yeah, because I would debate Christians, and and it got to be almost like a sport. And then I could yeah. say, well, listen, I'll talk to you more if you could answer this question. And it was always one that there was you know no Christians answer. just don't have good answer. So at that time, Christians I had don't a, have good answers for them. Is that what you said? Yeah. Well, I want to know the four questions. Okay. Well, let me let okay. me explain this. You're and in then charge here. So we had a dog. My wife and I were you know, married for a year. We had a dog, and I took him for a walk. And um, as I was walking the dog during these times, I was debating with myself, you know, what, you know, what is the answer to these questions? You know, how am I going to, uh, you know, answer it? I, I was convinced that the, that the, reali- the theology of the New Testament was not true, what was I going to do with this? And one by one, the questions were answered, like clear as a bell, the unanswerable questions. And I remember running back to the apartment, knock on the, I, I open the door, tell Wendy, my wife, this is, I got an answer to the question. No sooner did I tell her what the answer was, but both she and I forgot the question and the answer. One by one. Wow. Until I had the last question. And I can't remember actually whether it was four questions or five questions. But anyway, the last question that I had, I remember this clear as a bell walking down the street. Um, and I was uh, debating in, in my mind, how was, why would God send my great-grandfather to hell? My great-grandfather was a, um, an honorable man, a leader of a Jewish community in uh, Eastern Europe who fled the pogroms uh, in um, uh, Russia. The only witnesses that he had to Christianity were the Cossacks coming into town and doing forced baptisms mm-hmm. in the town square. When he moved to the United States, he was a successful salesman. He had some businesses, very, very charitable man. After he died, we heard from countless numbers of people who he had given money to, families that mm-hmm. he had helped out. Nobody knew about it. He did it all anonymously. Yeah. So he was a very good man. And how could God sentence him to hell for the only witness to the gospel was forced baptisms in the town square? So as I'm pondering this, walking down the street, I heard loud and clear, but it wasn't, I don't think it was audible. If you were standing next to me, I don't think that you would have heard it. I I have the same experiences. And the words that I heard were, none of your business. And I just stopped short. Really? And what I started to realize as I was pondering that um, voice was what I was really grappling with was my relationship with God, not my grandfather's relationship with God. But your. Mine. And if I believed that God was true, righteous, good, merciful, all of these attributes, then whatever he chose to do with my great-grandfather or the child in the South Sea Island— 
was going to be righteous, just, merciful. So the real thing that was antagonizing me at this moment was my relationship with God. That was the only question that God left me with and the only answer. And when I none came home... None of your home, business. Yeah, none of your business. So, so I, I could say that I heard from God or, you know, uh, but in my wildest dreams, I wouldn't have thought that it, if I heard from God, it would be a wisecrack. Yeah. But that's what it was. Well... But it did it. And so that freed me up to, to realize that I had read the Bible, found out that it was true. Now what? And um, I don't have to worry about all these other people. The, what God wanted me to focus on was my relationship with him. Yeah. So um, I remember my wife and I laying in bed that night uh, in the dark. We were just laying down side by side, and I remember saying, Wendy, what do you do if you believe in Jesus? And I kind of felt her kind of shake. She grew up as a Christian. Yeah. And uh, she goes, I, I don't know. I guess you ask him into your heart. So we kind of both prayed silently. And next day, um, I picked up the phone book. Uh, we had phone books in those days. And uh, I looked up for Jews for Jesus, oh, which the yeah. day before or the week before, they were nut jobs in my yeah. opinion. Yeah. In in the Jewish community, Jews for Jesus were wrong. They yeah. were idiots. Yeah. But now I figured, well, if anybody could understand what I'm going through, they would. So I was in Southern California in L.A. at the time. When I looked in the phone book, the, the phone number for Jews for Jesus actually had a 408 area code, which is Northern California. Which it's is just, where you were from. Which is from where I was from. So I called the number, and uh, you know the person on the phone said, Shalom, and I said, uh, well, I'm Jewish, and I think I believe in Jesus. Well, she went nuts, and turned around and and shouted something to other people in the um, office where she was, and everybody was excited. And I said, bye, I don't know what to do. And she says, okay, we'll send you some material. And she gave me the phone number of the local Jews for Jesus mission that okay. was down there. And so um, uh, one of the first things I did is I sat down and I wrote a very long letter to my parents saying, you won't believe what I discovered. Christianity is true. The New Testament is a Jewish book that we haven't read. We need to read it. And, um, uh, and it was a lengthy letter explaining how excited I was and so forth. Um, that letter was returned to me unread, partially read. My dad had found it, read it stuck it back in an envelope and sent it back to me and said, don't ever talk about this again. So they, wow. were, they were really mad. Wow. Wendy and I ended up going to a Juice for Jesus Bible study that was uh, weekly, that was being hosted down there. It was for new members. And it was an extraordinary group. 
uh, Wendy and I learned a lot. There were, um, this happens, or at least at that time, we were, encountered a number of people who were just minding their own business, and uh, God yeah. captured us. And so it was really a thrill. I uh, uh, I never say that I teach when it comes to theology. I always say I facilitate, yeah. and the Holy Spirit teaches. Yeah, uh, We've got a class that I'm starting, uh, and uh, depending on when you listen to this, it's probably already started, but it's called Alpha. Uh, Have you ever? Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, all right. Wendy and I um, were leaders of okay. the Alpha. Amazing. Yeah amazing curriculum yeah and people say well what's it about well it's jesus 101 yep and it's not denominational yeah so yeah um uh and the first time i took that uh i had never written written uh, written i'd never read the bible yeah unless i was reading at church i had to read a verse or something and then kind of sounds like you did the same you have a hunger Mm -hmm. to read this book oh yeah read these books so what Juice for Jesus said is, first thing you need to do is you need to get to uh, church. Yeah. And I said, where? And they recommended First Hollywood Presbyterian, which was a big, uh, very well-known. Yeah. Calvinism. Oh, gosh. And this is also the church where Henrietta Mears oh. uh, grew up. So she founded Campus Crusade there. All right, we're coming back with another show. My guest is Richard Lighter, and you're listening to The View from a Pew.